Heavenly Father, we do thank You and praise You for just being an awesome God. Uh, We do want to lift up our praise and our thanksgiving to You. It is to You alone that we worship and love and adore. It is to You, Father, that makes our soul well. I pray, Father, that You would be here today to open up our hearts and our minds to understand You better, clearer, so that we can walk with You, Father, and, and make a distinction in our life, that we would be different than the world around us, and that we would be uh, able to embrace You and to love You in a full concept. Father, give us that level of faith that Your prophetic Word provided for us today, that we would walk by faith, Father, to a new place and to a new level. Help us to trust You. Be here today, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I have to recognize I am speaking to a mixed crowd. And uh, that's not uh, black and white. That's not man or woman. That's not rich or poor. That's not educated or uneducated. Uh, We have a a mixed crowd here. And inside this uh, congregation, uh, we can split ourselves on different sides of the aisle on where we stand with dem tongues. And... uh, Half the congregation uh, would say that uh, they would speak in tongues and they would rebuke me as a pastor and say, Pastor, you need to speak more on speaking in tongues and get everybody speaking in tongues. And the other half of the congregation can turn around and say, Pastor, every time you mention that, I want to get up and walk out the door and I'll find someplace else to go on Sunday. I can't handle that. Now, we had some guy visiting our church uh, just this week and he brought that up. Do you guys speak in tongues? Well, we believe that you can. This guy's, I don't want no no part of this church, bye. And we try our best to present a a, a level, balanced uh, approach. Obviously, we don't want to be the uh, swinging from the chandeliers, crazy, charismatics. But we also want to be able to understand that something's in God's Word. Uh, We're covering it uh, for the next three weeks. We're going to be looking at the spiritual gifts and what that entails. And we need to sometimes be able to uh, understand that God wants to provide for us gifts of the Holy Spirit. And usually when you say the word gifts, that implies the word tongues and everyone jumps to certain conclusions. But there are many gifts of the Holy Spirit. I like that. Wisdom is a gift. Knowledge is a gift. Uh, Those uh, are, are just as strong in the arsenal of God as any other gifts. And, uh, and I like that. Uh, knowledge would be the, uh, we'll look at some of this, uh, but knowledge would be the uh, uh, accumulation of facts, of, 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 of concepts, of being able to put uh, so many ideas together. But wisdom, wisdom is the ability to know what to do with those facts. And sometimes, as much as we want to look at something, we've got to gather some facts together, and then we need to be wise about what we're talking about. And we need to exercise those gifts as we look at other gifts and to see what's happening. And we need to understand that when we're talking about a a gift, we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit moving through us as a church, uh, we need to understand that these are some of the things that the Lord has asked us. He has demonstrated these things to us. We don't want to be crazy about stuff, but but God gave us a a rational mind. He gave us uh, the, the desire to have things spelled out in a sense of logic, if you would. And, and, and Jesus demonstrated things to us on this earth. He asks us of certain things, and the Bible speaks about certain things, and that's so that we can have a foundation. And then it takes a level of faith, and that's 
part of the formula, a level of faith to trust in what the Lord's asking you to do, and you need to step outside your bounds and be willing to expand. And we're going to look at the gifts. And so if there's two sides of the aisle here, it's not divided on one side or on the other, but but if, if there's two different sides of the argument, uh, on, on one side, uh, you have to understand that, that, that God is asking for a sense of, of, of decency. And, and those that are want to speak in tongues a lot, they need to understand they have to be able to reach out to the other side and present themselves in, in a sane manner, not abuse the gift. And on the other side of the aisle, for those that would want to contest you know, speaking in tongues or exercising of the gifts or, 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 or limiting what God would have for them, we are always challenged to try and reach out and to expand where we are. Both cases, it takes some wisdom. It's not just a matter of acquiring a fact. It's not just a matter of doing something. It takes a little bit of knowledge and it takes a little bit of wisdom on our part. So we want to exercise all the gifts. Let's not throw those out. Let's not just become crazy. But let's also be willing to say, I need to look at a few things. So Paul is beckoning us and he says, now concerning spiritual gifts. And he says right there, he says, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. Or the King James would say, ignorant. And he says, you know that when you were pagans... You were led astray to the mute or dumb idols. However, you were led. And Paul was turning around and he says, first off, I'm going to talk about some spiritual gifts. And he's speaking to the brethren and he's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant on both sides of the aisle. Don't, don't abuse, don't, don't do something out of ignorance when it comes to this subject and don't miss something very important that God would have for you in your life. And he's speaking about that when you were a pagan. A pagan would mean uh, kind of having that reference to you and I as, as I liked it when uh, Carla, my wife, first said the term. It, it really struck me. She goes, those were my B.C. days. And you go, well, B.C., that's like, what do you think? You were born before the year two, you know, zero or whatever it is. You're two. No, it's before Christ, before Christ was in my life. There was a time, hopefully as us as believers in Christ, that we could turn around and say, I know that Jesus came into my life. I became a Christian. And then there were the days that I was in my B.C. days, when I was just the -the run-of-the-mill pagan. I was just the the garden-variety pagan, the guy that went out and just did what everyone else in the world has done. And we all, if we can look back at those days... You've got to remember some of the crazy things we did in our B.C. days and how you know, we, we would listen keenly to what an astrologer would say. We would read our horoscope. We would, we would be involved with certain things. And we had our sense of voodoo, witchcraft, ways of going about our life with our strange little traditions. And all of us in our pagan days had a crazy way of trying to make sense of the world. And... and Paul, I guess he's speaking to some people that were pagan pagans that really worshipped idolatry, really worshipped crazy things. And he's saying, now, you used to be so crazy that here's a piece of metal. You bow down to it. You would bow down to a piece of wood. That's insanity. What what kind of man bows down to, to some idol? And yet, all of us got 
sucked into so many stupid things before. You were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. And Paul, Paul is trying to make a point here. He's talking about as, as spiritual gifts go, we have to understand that, that God has something for us. And listen to this. It's not the way it works in the world. Unfortunately, as we're trying to develop a line of logic here, we automatically start to assume a logical pattern of our B.C. days, our before we were Christians. And I suppose that in our pagan ways, we always were trained and in, 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 in taught that we were going to fail. The world, the world conditions us for failure. We are miserable people. We get depressed. We always say that things just don't seem to work. And what God is trying to say is don't, don't throw the, the gifts, don't be ignorant, and don't try and assume what God is trying to speak to you is going to be the way that it always was before. He's beckoning us. Please be open-minded. Please be willing to, to believe that God is going to do something in your life. And it is sad. Talking to people, they are conditioned. They're brainwashed, if you would, by a world that tells them that they're destined for failure. It's never going to work. It's always going to fail. My life is going to stink. A God can't do anything here. I know what the outcome is going to be before I even take the next step in life. I'm going to fail. That mindset is death. That mindset, by the very definition, closes the door for the operation of the Holy Spirit to work in your life and to do something different. And we have to, as we're looking at what God would have for me, a gift. That's the opposite of the way the world works. The work says you're never given nothing. If you've got anything, it comes at a cost. Somebody's trying to take something from you. Nothing in this world is free. And what the Bible wants to do, it wants to use the word gift. It says you don't earn it. You don't deserve it. There's nothing that you've done that makes you special to get a gift. It's something presented to you. We believe wholeheartedly, firmly, that your salvation, the forgiveness of sins, the basis for what you are as a Christian is a gift. It's a present. I didn't do anything that made me special. I, I can't do anything to make me more eligible for what God has done. He's given me something. He's just flat out saying, here, here's the, the keys to the car. Take it. Oh, oh, I, wow! It's a present. It's something that's presented to you. And, and we have to understand that's the, the word of what a, a gift is would be the word and, and it's the, the, the Greek word of charisma. That's what it, chariz would mean a gift. Charisma would be the, the response to that gift. So if you say, hey, that guy's really full of charisma. He's got that certain glow about him. And, 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 and you could almost say that, you know, it's almost like a, We've got like, I don't know, there's four gals in the church now that are with child. And, and you could almost say when you see one of these women that they have this certain glow about them, even though they're vomiting and complaining. You know. 
they go through that. But but you can see a woman, and she's just she has a glow about her. There's something different about her. She knows that she's now carrying a life, and she now knows that she's got a, a sense of joy. And you could almost say she's got a sense of charisma. She's received a gift. There's life now inside of her. And the response to the gift is that she can now say, wow, there's a future, there's a hope, there's wonderful things that are happening. And in a sense, it's the same thing with the believer. If you can see that he's received a gift, you can see that sometimes when people were, were, were depressed and miserable, in their pagan days. They understand the gospel that Jesus Christ has forgiven them. They now have everlasting life as a gift. And all of a sudden, to someone who understands, a light goes off. There's a sense of charisma about them. And in a sense, you take that to the next level and to say, God God has given you a gift. He's given you gifts of the Spirit as well. There's, there's much more. There's, there's ways that the Holy Spirit can pour itself out into your life that would give you a sense of joy, a sense of satisfaction, a glow. And so we understand, says, Lord, these are the things that are there for me. Lord, I, I want to know that, that Christianity, and, and I, I, I have to stress this, that the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life, and Christianity is not... A bunch of do's and don'ts. It is not merely repentance. And I despise that sometimes where people say, you know, for me to be a Christian, that means I need to smoke, you know, quit smoking, quit drinking, quit this, quit that, quit that. I need to stop doing this or else God's going to spank me. And how many people think of God in such a conditional way? God doesn't like me because I've done this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, and this wrong. They put a sense of criteria into their relationship with God. And and what we have to be able to say is God is not here to tell you just how bad you are and you deserve to just burn in hell because of your wickedness. And he sees the little sin that you did on Tuesday and how you mouthed off, you stole this, you stabbed your friend in the back, and then we go, God doesn't like me. No, 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 no. Christianity is not merely a, a, a work of repentance. Christianity is also receiving something. The repentance is very important in our life. We need to be able to say, Lord, I don't want to act like a pagan anymore. But within that, there also comes where Jesus comes up and says, yeah, John baptized you with water. John the Baptist, repent, you're going to burn in hell. Yeah, John did that. He says, but I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And to be baptized, to be endowed with the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can come upon you and to empower you with strength. So just bear me out. Christianity is is a format for you to get something. There's something to be received. And unfortunately, that can be perverted in its own way. But unfortunately... Most people just think of Christianity as just the repentance, the wallowing and the pain, the agony and God's mad at me and maybe I haven't done a good enough job. And they always think that, you know, Christianity is some dead religion and they have no concept about the life and the strength of the Spirit. And you have to understand the premises. It's a gift. God wants to come up and says, I want to give you something. I want to bless you. I'm going to give you something you don't deserve. You didn't earn. You are not good enough to, to even think that you've, you deserve the goodness that God has given you. 
It's a gift. Our salvation. And on top of that, there is the charisma, not the, just the charisma, it's the charisma. It's the result of that happening in our lives, which makes us charismatic, right? Meaning that we're going to demonstrate what God is saying. Oh, you're not one of those crazy charismatics, right? And I think those are the people that swing from the chandeliers and are all speaking in tongues. But to be charismatic means that you're, you're demonstrating the flow of the Holy Spirit, which is in your heart. And you want to be able to say, yeah, I'm one of them crazy charismatics. I sure do want the power of the Holy Spirit to be glowing out of me. I want to see that, that you can see the power of God working through me. I want you to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit working through me. Not just the tongue part, but also wisdom, knowledge, understanding, patience, hospitality. Those things are, are gifts of the Lord. And Paul is saying, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren. And don't assume that it's going to be just like the rest of the world. But God wants to give you something. And we so many times are conditioned in failure because the world, we, we were failures and the world has always failed us. And what we need to do is go in there and say, this is not going to be like the rest of my life where I tried something and it failed. I, I need to be able to sit down and say, Lord, if there's something for me, I want to experience it. I want to be open to it. I don't want to shut the door and say it's, it's doomed to fail. It will never work. Have an open mind. So as I'm speaking to a mixed crowd, both sides of the aisle, have an open mind. That's what Paul is beckoning for. He's saying, he says, understand, you were led astray in, by dumb idols in your B.C. days. He goes, but that's not the way it is with God. He cares about you. He loves you. He says, verse 3 says, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is accursed. That's not the godly way to slam Jesus. And he says, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord. No one's running around praising the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There's a lot to be said with this verse, but what Paul is trying to say is that there's a pattern. There's a direction that we as believers follow. And we want to be able to say, I want to go forward in the things of God. I want to be able to sit down with my life and say, I'm getting better. I'm getting purer in my heart towards God. And hopefully, if I say that I was a pagan, and now that I'm a Christian, hopefully I'm not acting more as a pagan as a Christian than I was as a pagan. And sometimes we see that model, don't we? The Christian out there, yeah, I'm a Christian, Jesus Christ is Lord, and then they're acting like a pagan. And what we want to be able to say is, no, Lord, I'm going in the right direction. I'm seeking your face, and I'm desiring you. And so he's turning around, and he's going to say, say, God, God, work in my life. It's a path that I'm on. Verse 4. And he says, now there are varieties of gifts. He says, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation or the revealing of the Spirit why? For the common good, for others that are involved. So it's a cute little verse here, these few verses, because you're seeing the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working together. 
Reference to the Spirit, reference to the Lord Jesus, reference to the Father God. And you're saying all three of them are working to do something. And you're saying that there's a diversity of gifts, a diversity of ministries, and a diversity of what's called an effect. But yet you've got to see that there's a common, a common purpose for what happens in each one of us. So what it's trying to say. Paul is saying as the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to react in a different way that's unique to you. It's not, it has to fit into a pattern. And that way of a pattern, that way of a tradition can quench and destroy you stepping out in faith to do something unique in your life. Uh, I love the uh, illustration from uh, Keith Green. Uh, He sings a song about... uh, Stained, stained glass windows. And, and the illustration is, as you think about, you know, if you could picture the old Catholic church, whatever it is, they got this huge stained glass window. And you can see that what it is, it's a mosaic. It's a whole bunch of little pieces of glass, you know, with the lead, uh, you know, uh, uh, framing around each piece of glass, and they all kind of get soldered in together. And you can see that, you know, each piece is a different color of the piece of glass. And as you put it together, you've got all the little pieces and all the different little colors makes this huge mural that kind of comes together. And the beauty of that is when you see the sunlight come up on the other side uh, of the glass on the outside, it comes through. And then when you're inside the building, you see this huge glowing piece of, of, of artwork and you see a, a, the big picture. But each part of the big picture is these little parts and sometimes we can sit down and say, well, there's one person, you know, if that's all people, we're all colors, if you would. You know, I may, be, I may be a red piece, you may be a blue piece, there could be a white piece and a yellow piece and, and every color of the rainbow in between. But it's the exact same light that comes through and hits the piece of glass. And as it hits the piece of glass, on the other side of the piece of glass, it's got to generate, if you would, a, a, a different color. And it's the same thing. The Holy Spirit comes into our life and it strikes us. And as we resound a sound, a tune, a color, a light, a glow about us, it's going to be different. We're not the same. There's different. It's all the same God. It's all working upon us. But what God does in my life is not going to be what God does in your life. What God has gifted me with is not necessarily what God has gifted you with. You've got to understand that basic, simple principle. Paul is going to beat that together. And I like that. There's, there's different gifts. So there's, there's different talents, if you would, that we may have as, as people. God's working through us all to develop it. There's different ministries. Ministry would be a task that you would have to perform. And then there's different effects. Uh, effects would be an operation, uh, uh, a plan, uh, 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 a path that God would work. So you can say, God God creates everything, but, but God created a, a dog to be a dog, a cat to be a cat, a man to be a man, and, and a tree to be a tree. And creation is very diverse. There's gazillions of different bugs out there. You guys ever sit down and look at some weird bug and you go, man, what was God thinking? He must, he's created, man. This thing's the weirdest thing in the world. And, and God sat there and put this whole thing together. And, and you see the, the magnificence of the Creator. That, that He can take His Spirit and to create so many diverse, weird things. 
And, and inside of us, there's some diverse, weird things that God is going to bring out of us. And we have to be open to those things. So, a, a, a definition from the Greek-Hebrew study Bible of what a gift would be, would be an instantaneous enablement by God in the power of the Holy Spirit to do or say something beyond one's natural ability in order to fulfill a specific purpose of God in the time frame in which God permits. I like that. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's going to sit down there and enable you. It, it opens up the door to do something you cannot do, but it's God that's doing the work through you. So let's keep working with the text here. Verse 8. He says, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. So if you would, these would almost be two diametrically opposing concepts. Uh, wisdom would be what to do with something. We said knowledge. So you can have the knowledge and look at something and say, that's a skunk, right? That, I, God's given me a word of knowledge. That's a skunk. I know what that is. Wisdom is the one to say, that's a skunk. I need to turn around and run. <laughs> and you say, so there's the accumulation and you have to be able to also have the wisdom to know what to do with the accumulation of knowledge. He says, into another faith by the same Spirit, into another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And I just want to challenge this. We're going to break it down a little bit, but there is a gift of faith uh, on what to do. Uh, faith, we said, was uh, the definition of things that were hoped for, right? But uh, the conviction of things not seen. So if you have faith, faith, you're blind in a certain sense. You don't have a tangible way of, of recognizing it. If you go out and heal somebody, you can say, wow, God's alive. Look at this guy was, you know, was missing a leg. I prayed for him and the leg grew back. You know, you can say God is real because I saw something. That's no longer a faith issue. You would say that's very tangible. That's very real. Faith would be intangible. And once again, you're just looking at Paul He's not giving us a list of the gifts. He's trying to say that within a spectrum of the gifts, there are oppositions, there are opposites on what you would want to do within the realm of gifts. Therefore, it's not a pattern that you have to enable in your life. And he says, "...in another the effecting of miracles," verse 10, "...and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits." Into another, various kinds of tongues. Into another, the interpretation of the tongue. So here's a, uh, both sides of the coin. You'd have someone speaking the tongue and someone understanding. And so if you would, Paul is just trying to say that there's balances on where all this goes. He says, verse 11, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. So God is the one that has to work in us uh, 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 the gifts. It's what God is doing through you. And within that, there is a, a limited, but a minor role 
on what we can do with the gifts. Uh, One thing I despise when you talk to certain people that are the crazy charismatics, you can look at the extreme side of the aisle that want to get all, you know, Pentecostal, running around all over the place. And you can go to certain churches, certain places, certain times with people that you feel that it's almost fake. Have you ever had that? You look at somebody, they're all running around speaking in tongues, they're all doing certain things. And there's there's almost what they say in Calvary Chapel, that there's more perspiration than inspiration. <laughs> in other words, I need to make something happen. So in order for me to make something happen in my life, I need to fabricate it or run around and act like it or run around and be fake and phony so that I can impress people so that I can show them that God's really working inside of me. That makes us sick. That makes anybody who says, I'm looking for the genuine work of the Holy Spirit when they see someone who imitates it, fabricates it, pumps it up more than they're allowing God to work. The gifts of the Spirit is is God. It's a freedom. It's a liberty to say, Lord, I'm open to you doing anything. And if nothing seems to be happening today, then I can be just as content with a downtime as much as I can be excited about an uptime. There are times the Lord's laying it on someone's heart. Stand up and speak. There's times, you know, if someone had to be speaking in tongues, stand up and speak in tongues. But you know what? We don't have to have that every Sunday. Oh, my gosh. The Lord didn't show up, you know, today because nobody spoke in the tongue. Nobody prophesied. Or maybe God's putting a, a gentle, sweet spirit upon the church. Maybe there's times for us to just sit down and to say, thank you, Lord. Today's a day to say thank you. There's other times, hey, we got some wild things happening. You know, there's been some great things going on through the church. And we want to be open, but you have to understand what we're, we're asking for in this as we're looking at the gifts is that we're talking about an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, please, don't confuse what I'm talking about today with what's an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. There's two diametrically opposing things that are happening here, or two separate worlds, let's just say. One is that we know that when you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, you're going to be sealed with the Holy Spirit, right? Ephesians 1.13, that if you've listened to the gospel and you have believed the gospel, and if you want to confess Jesus Christ as Lord, and you say, Jesus Christ, come into my life, We know that Scripture promises that you will be born again and you will have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. It's buried, it's buried, it's it's made a home, a habitat in your heart. Christ now lives in your heart and there is no way to describe how that feels. It's not going to be the same. People could sit down and say, well, you know, I asked Jesus the Christ to come into my life and I don't feel any different. You're telling me I'm supposed to go to heaven? Okay, I'll go to heaven. Well, you're going to go to heaven based upon, not a feeling, but upon the fact that we can believe the scriptures that say, when you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is your basis. That's your foundation. It's nothing to do with any of the things of the gifts. It's an indwelling. But Jesus also promised us that the Spirit not only is going to indwell us, there are times in your life, 
spontaneous times where there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And it's going to be different than just having it in you. You're always going to have it in you as a believer. But as a believer, there's going to be seasons in your life times in your life where all of a sudden there's going to be the power of the Holy Spirit to do something supernatural. So you could just be, well, I've got the Holy Spirit inside of me, do 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 I'm walking down the, you know, store in Kroger's, you know, do 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 you're just minding your own business. All of a sudden, um, I don't know, the shopping cart crashes in front of you, the lady keels over and has a heart attack, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You get this, you know, strength of ten ordinary men. You run over, pick up the lady's shopping cart, and you say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And she jumps up and you go, whoa! And you say, I was just bebopping my way through life. I wasn't planning to do anything. It's not like I, you know, I, I, could, I could think about this. But it was a momentary where the Holy Spirit came upon me. You hear the story of the police officer or, you know, the guy who comes to the burning car and he has to lift up the burning car. He has the strength of ten ordinary men. That's underdog. But, you know, um, (laughs) but you have this supernatural. You go, no way could any man lift up a burning car. But the power of the Holy Spirit is gifted him to have, for that time, a supernatural experience to do something that you can't do in the flesh. And if we think about it as a burning car lifting a huge weight, there's also many things that could happen in your life that if you're just bebopping through life, you're a believer on the intellectual side, you've gotten on your knees, you've confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, but now you're going through life, God has promised you an outpouring, a time. And unfortunately, it is a limited thing. The best example is if you think about if you took a styrofoam cup and you, 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 you took that styrofoam cup and you punched a whole bunch of holes in it with a pencil. And you could take that cup and you would, you would pour out an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's got to fill you. It's got to fill the cup. But because of all the holes starting to jettison out, you're watching all the water come down and to leave. And for us as believers, there are times that we go, wow, God filled me. And I I did something with that magnificent moment in my life. But the next day you wake up and you feel like, man, I feel like trash again. (laughs) I don't feel very good. I got a headache. And what happened to the spiritual Superman that was running around last night in church? And and you say it's it's there are times that it it's a season. Now your salvation is not seasonal, it's never conditional, and it's something that's eternal based upon a promise of God. This is something different than just the promise of God. This is an outpouring. This is a time for you to experience a time, a season, a place. And just as the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's going to have a unique experience in you. And God's going to do things that are not you. You can't say, well, that's just my, you know, I'm I'm a salesman by trade and I can really you know how to you know dazzle them with you know you know twisting the shell game around and sell anybody anything I'm such a good salesman in the flesh you know that I could sell ice to the Eskimo well that's who you are naturally 
But if you're the guy who's like, I, you know, I, if I ever have to talk to anybody, I choke up and I forget everything. And, and, you know, but here I was, I was at the supermarket and I saw this lady and, and we were talking about the Lord and I sat down and I had an answer for everything and I told her everything and I witnessed to her about Jesus and she accepted the Lord. And you go, I don't know what came over me, but that was the Lord because you know me, I can't talk to anybody. And you go, wow. That's, that's a miracle. That's, that's a gift of the Holy Spirit to enable you to have the strength of ten ordinary men, you know, the wisdom of Solomon at that time, because it's the Lord. It's God doing something through you. And all of us should be open to God working through us. And it's a filling. And it says, but you will receive power was the promise of Jesus. Power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and, and you have to understand, it's the Holy Spirit coming upon us. And with that comes the idea, it's seasonal. And, and unfortunately, if we, if we base our walk with God upon the seasons of what we feel, as much as you can say, I was at church last night, and the Holy Spirit was there, and we were running around in circles, and all of us had little flames on our head, and we were all speaking in tongues, and great things are going on. And then the next day you wake up and you go, I've got a headache, I hate work, I'm miserable. And then what do you say? You say, well, maybe I'm not saved. Maybe I'm not. Uh, this, this Christianity is, is great at church, but when I leave church, I'm, I'm not the same. It's not the same. And we confuse our salvation. And then we say, well, maybe I'm not a Christian because I don't feel that way. Can't do that. Cannot do that. I'm a Christian based upon the promises of God. I'm a Christian because of Jesus Christ who died for me you know, 2,000 years ago. I'm a Christian because I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I don't care what I feel like. It, it was a choice I made, not based upon a feeling. But within the realm of being a Christian, feelings you know, can be there and wonderful things can happen. And you don't have to assume that it's always going to be misery, failure, and destruction. But God has some things in your life that He wants to give you that we need to be open to, to say, Lord, bring it on, baby. I, I need some highs in my life. I'm tired of all the lows. Uh, I, I'm looking for you to do something magnificent in my life. And if it's just for tonight, praise the Lord. But uh, give me a taste. Give me a few crumbs. Let me experience what you're like. And as it works out, there's going to be things that happen. Yeah, amen. So notice what he says now. And Paul's going into uh, the deeper argument here. And he makes a simple analogy. He says, verse 12, For even as the body is one, speaking of the body of Christ, and yet it has many members. So there's Calvary Chapel here. There's, you know, I don't know, a hundred something people here. And each part is all individuals. And all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one Spirit. It's the same Jesus that saves us all. For the body, though, is not one member, but many. If the foot says, Because I'm not a hand, I am not a part of the body. Is it not for this reason any the less a part of the body? Did you see the, the hand arguing with the foot and saying, well, I don't like you. You know, you're not strong enough or big enough or, you know, whatever. And they can judge each other for their differences and, and say, well, we don't uh, associate with you. But if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, am I not a part of the body? Is it not for this reason any the less a part of the body? 
If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole um, were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? So we're dependent upon other people to do some of the things that we cannot do. Verse 18. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? You wouldn't have a very good body if you were just one big nose, right? <laughs> You'd got to look funny. You would, be, you would be limited in what you can do. He says, but now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be the weaker, are necessary. And the members of the body, which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable. So, if you could think about your body sitting down there arguing with yourself and saying, I'm better than you and I'm better than you. And you think of your hand and your foot and your eyes and your ears all arguing with who was the best. And unfortunately, that's what the, 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 well, I guess the human body does the same thing. We put such a high standard on some of the weaker parts of the body. Well, what's our figure like? What's our physique? Do we have a, a cute face? How, you know, uh, how, how big is our nose? And whether or not we have a nose? And we worry about all the stupidest things. And what we do is we forget about you know, the, the things that nobody even cares about. We don't say, well, gee, I'm a really great guy because I've got a superb appendix. <laughs> we ignore the appendix all day long. Unless, of course, it bursts. Then all of a sudden it becomes very critical. <laughs> and you're going, hey, the thing that I ignored, I was so worried. I don't sit down and worry about it at night, but I worry about my looks. I wonder if I should be five pounds lighter or ten pounds lighter or I should be so big or so tall or so strong. And we put all the wrong emphasis on all the wrong things. And as a church, the church can do the exact same thing. It wants to put an emphasis on a certain gift. Tongues. And it says, oh, you've got to have this, you've got to have that. And if that's the great thing that you have to have, well, you know what? It throws uh, wisdom and uh, you know, uh, knowledge out the window real quick. And you say, well, hopefully the most important things, well, we're going to find out that next week is what we're talking about is love. But hopefully we as a body can turn around and just say, you know, what God does with you is valuable. And you who think that you don't have any part in this church, you can play a very critical role for what you're doing. And so, sometimes we say, well, Lord, I'm one of the less, you know, glorified parts of the body of church, you know. I'm, I'm just an appendix. I'm just, you know, hanging around trying to filter out a few things every now and then. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> whatever an appendix does. And, and you go, and you, go uh, you know, they could get rid of me and who cares and, and I have no value. And, and we have a tendency to think of ourselves as just, you know, no value. Well, other people, they get all the limelight. They do all the things. They can go out and, you know, uh, do something that I can't do and I wish I was like them. And in the meantime, we're missing the very heart of what, what God does through us is just as important. And it's God who does these things. It's God who sits down there and has placed in us certain things that need to happen. He says, whereas, whereas verse 24 our more presentable members have no need of it, 
But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked. So all of a sudden the appendix has value. God gives, God's the one who gives the who, the what, the when, and the where. It's God who works a supernatural gift in us. We are always dependent upon Him. And if it was just something that I made up to impress everyone else, then that's just living a lie. That's just, you know, fabricating something. That's more perspiration than it is inspiration. That's us working up a good sweat trying to impress people so that we can say that we're more honorable than someone else instead of allowing God to be who we are. So that, and this is the goal, so that there may be no division in the body. That's our goal throughout the whole chapter and throughout the whole book of 1 Corinthians. No division in the body, but that the, but that the members may have the same care for one another. All of us in the church could respect one another, even if we're on different sides of the aisle, black or white, rich or poor, educated or uneducated, whatever we have as a gift is from the Lord. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Because we're a team. Now you are Christ's body and individual members of it. So there's a bigger goal. There is something inside of us that says we play a part, but our part is not all that my life is. I'm just a part of a bigger picture. I'm one color in the mosaic of a stained glass window. It's when you can look back and see the whole picture. You see the whole picture of Jesus or whatever it is. And you can say, wow, Lord, I'm part of a body. And so many times, this is where the whole study comes together, is what Paul was saying is, you know what? We need each other. We're doing a study on koinonia. That's what 1 Corinthians is. We said koinonia was the Greek word for the word fellowship. That it's a team effort. That we're all coming together. And Paul, the apostle, was having a conniption over the church that wanted to say, we don't need people like that. I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of this, I'm of that. And even within inside of it, you're going to see the argument break down where certain people were saying, I speak in tongues and you don't. I'm better than you because I do something. I, I have a way of, of doing things and I, I can really be flamboyant. So I'm one of the powerhouses of the church. Well, you, you have the gift of janitorial supplies and, and who needs that? You have, the, you have a less deemed appropriate. Well, it takes all of us getting together to make a team happen. And all of us have no right to say that any one of us is better than anyone else. And it's just all of us being effective to say, Lord, I want you to use me as you see fit. I want to be open to the things that are there. I want to, I want to work and I want to ex- experience what you have. Now, on my part, God wants to use me. He's saying, Dave, If you allow the light to shine through you, you become a radiant red, whatever, blue, whatever I guess I would be. I don't know. But you know what we have a tendency to say is, God, don't use me. The problem is that we can can disqualify ourselves from being used. And what happens when we... We have doubts and fears. We lack faith to step out and to allow God to use us. Guess what? When, when you bury your head in the sand, you make the rest of us suffer. 
every part of us. The rest of the church suffers. I believe God has empowered the church and within the church He's given us the full spectrum of the gifts. There's people that speak in tongues here. There's people that have the gifts of healing. There's people that have knowledge. There's people that have words of wisdom. And, you know, if you have been given a gift and then you decide to bury your head in the sand, then all of us are saying, well, gee, there's some people here that have been given some words of wisdom. Uh, we got lots of facts. We're facing some problems. But how do we get ourselves out of the problem? And then you turn around and say, well, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to offer my advice. I'm not going to believe that the Lord told me to say something. I'm not going to speak out in faith. And then the rest of us sit here and says, well, how are we going to get through this? Because God's given us the gift, and yet it sits there stifled, quiet, nullified, disqualified. And so there's an obligation in us to be able to say, Lord, I want to believe that you can use me. And, Lord, I have a part in this body. And, and Lord, if, if I am to, to tell or to speak or to do something that's beyond my natural ability, to risk a little bit, then I have to step out and risk and allow God to do something that's not my normal me. I have to be bold. And, Lord, for me to have things uh, uh, operational in my life, it does take me to be able to say, this is not my pagan days. This is my Christian ways. And I'm going to sit down there and operate the way that God would have me to operate, not according to my fears. But so many times the church is just crippled. Crippled. It cannot function because so many people are burying their heads in the sand. So many people say, well, I don't want to go up and do something. That would be crazy. I don't want to risk anything. People would think I'm nuts. If, if the Holy Spirit came upon me and, and there was this moment in worship and I felt like I had to stand up and say, Calvary Chapel, you know, God thinks of you as this beautiful lily in the valley and He loves you and cares about you. And I see this lily that's red with a yellow stripe through it shining in the sun and God wants to say, well, please. And over there, there's a gal, and she's got a red dress with yellow stripes through it. And she goes, that's me. I felt so insecure. And what you said to me changed my whole life. And only you could tell me that that was God speaking through me. And now, because you have, I feel that you have lifted the burdens from me. Blah, 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 blah. It takes, it takes risk. It takes faith. And then you can minister to somebody and say, God spoke to me today. And you can change someone's life because you're willing to get involved. You're willing to step out. You're willing to say, I'm going to do something. And unfortunately, most of us say, well, I can't do that. I, you know, I, I can't teach Sunday school. I can't help out here. I can't prophesy over here. I would never want to stand up and speak in tongues. They everyone think I'm crazy. And what do you do? You nullify the gift. You disqualify yourself. You quench the Holy Spirit. And God says, now I'm not operating. The church isn't functioning. And then all of us need to be able to at least be smart enough to say, somebody's stepping out in something that I, I don't particularly like. I don't, I, don't, I don't like it when people speak in tongues. That's not me. But you at least, at least have to be strong enough to be able to say, God, you're doing something over here. I'm, a, I'm all hand, and here comes the foot, and I'm not going to be stupid enough to put down the foot when I'm all hand. And unfortunately, we do. We get tunnel vision. We focus on what, what we think that we have to do, and, and we think anybody outside of our parameters is just wrong. And I'm not talking about doctrine. I'm not talking about you know whether or not there's other people out there that think that they can go to heaven by worshiping Satan. I'm not, they're, they're, we're talking about those that are in the body of Christ. 
We're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit coming upon somebody and how they're going to react. We're not talking about your salvation. We're not talking about a lot of things here. We're talking about all of us need to be a little bit more open to the fact that God can do something and we better appreciate that people have different gifts, different talents, different effects and different ministries. And so Paul is saying, you've got to say this is a team. It's a team effort and at least be able to respect what God is doing through someone else. Amen? Amen. So he says, God has appointed in the church, verse 28, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, various kinds of tongues. And he says, all are not apostles, are they? Not everyone can be an apostle. No. All are not prophets, are they? Does everyone have to stand up and prophesy? No. All are not teachers, are they? No. All are not workers of miracles, are they? Does everyone have the same thing? Not at all. All do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with with tongues, do they? No. All do not interpret, do they? No. He says, but earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. And uh, we can say that that way that Paul is talking about is love. The greatest of all the gifts is love. We've got to go into the next set of verses. It says you can you know, give your body to be burned. You can speak with tongues. You can have all knowledge. But if you have not love, it profits you nothing. Right? And so what Paul is saying, he says, look, 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 look. Love, koinonia, getting along is going to be the most excellent way. But we have to be also to say that there is a time when supernatural things can happen through us, that God is open to do wonderful things, and don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Don't turn around and say, well, nobody speaks in tongues, nobody heals, and nobody has wisdom, and nobody has knowledge, and nobody has anything. All we want to do is just love. Well, you're, you're robbing yourself of a blessing. You're robbing yourself of the ability to say, God, you can have something more for me. And, and, and if I can speak as a pastor to a group of people, our congregation, there is a challenge for us. And I would think that sometimes, if anything, we can be a little bit more dry than we need to be as, as a church. I feel that the Lord really wants to do much more for us as a church. I think God wants to do wonderful things in your life. And, and the challenge for us is to say that we need to step up to the plate and to say, Lord... I don't want to throw everything out. I don't want to disregard and I don't want to put down something that I'm not comfortable in. But I want to be open to say, Lord, speak through us. Lord, let me step out in faith and to do more. Let me, let me try and fail instead of not trying at all. Is that the old expression? Better to try and fail than to not try at all. And unfortunately, us as Christians, we just would rather bury our head in the sands. You know, I, I guess I can be the most guilty out of anyone. I feel that there's many opportunities I've missed and I've quenched them just because of my fear. And God says, Dave, you had a golden opportunity to go up and to hit the home run ball. And you just walked away from it. And I hate that feeling in my life. And I want to be able to say, Lord, give me an opportunity and I want to step up to the plate. I'm going to risk a little bit and I'm going to allow you to work like never before. That, that is what gets you saved. You have to sit down and say, my B.C. days, when, when you were in the world and you say, Lord, 
I'm empty. I'm missing something. I, I don't have what it takes to make myself even satisfied. That sense of emptiness in your life, you have to come to the Lord and say, Lord, Jesus, I don't know who you are or what you're about, but I'm asking you to come into my life. It takes a step of faith. And Lord, I'm trusting that something wonderful can happen with my life because I need purpose. I need a place. I I I need some joy because life is so miserable. Everybody in the world is miserable and I don't want to be miserable anymore. And when you step out and you're saying that, you're asking Christ to come into your heart. Same thing all over again for us as believers. You're saying, Lord, there's more for me out there. There's things that are happening, and I need, you to, I need you to come in and to stimulate me. I need an outpouring. Okay, I'm saved. Okay, I'm going to heaven. But, Lord, I want to be effective. I want to be empowering. I want to make a difference. I want to be the superman at the scene and lift up the car. I want to, I want to exceed just normal, you know, I don't want to just watch the crash site and stand around and go, Oh, the poor guy's burning. I want to be the guy diving in there, lifting it up and saving the, the women and the children. I want to go in and be able to do something, Lord, because I want, I want to have it so that people can see you. Not for me to be glorified. Don't puff me up with pride. Pride kills. But, Lord, there's a world out there that is crying for the act of God to, to be shown. Where's God? Where's God? If there's a God up in heaven, why is the world such full of vomit and trash? What kind of sick God is it out there? My prayer is to say, Lord, let him see me. Let, let my moment be that, 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 that I can shine for you. I want to be able to speak up and to be bold, to prophesy, to say something different, to take my gifts and to help and to share, to have a moment of wisdom, to allow something to happen. And especially, Paul was only trying to make a simple point. First off, people are different. Accept it. Accept us. And it's sad. It's sad when I've seen people just walk out the door of the church. Someone stands up and speaks in tongues and you can watch the exodus of people walking out the church. That's sad. That's saying I'm so narrow-minded I'm not even going to accept it. And you say, well, you know, this isn't like outside the Bible. There's plenty of chapters of the Bible that talk about this. We're not freaks, we're not weirdos. You know, this is something that God speaks. It's something that God has for us. But people just tunnel vision. And it goes the other way as well. We've had people come into church and go, this church is dead. It's just spiritually dead. And they walk right out the door because, you know, we're not running around swinging from the chandeliers. And you go, gee, we're just trying to be ourselves. We're trying to be open to the Holy Spirit. We're trying to be open-minded. But you know what? I'm not going to sit down and fake it till I make it. But understand that, 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 that there are different things. And secondly, I would hope and pray that we as a church would investigate what God has for us. Ask yourself a question. Say, what's my gift? We need to sit down and say, Lord, is there something that, 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 that I need, that, that I can do? I know that when you've come upon me, you've, you've given me words of wisdom you've given me words of knowledge you've given me you know a prophetic word you've given me a tongue and and i haven't and lord what would you have for me and that's a that's a valid prayer just to say lord what would you have for me and thirdly i think it needs to be stated what you do have you need to learn if it's possible step out in faith and to excel at what you do And unfortunately, so many of us take it for granted that God can do something supernatural through us. We we do have a tendency to despise the gifts. 
we have a tendency to look down our nose and say, God can't use me. Don't, don't despise what God can do because there is an us in this. And hopefully that's the bigger picture of koinonia. We're a team. And it, it hurts me as a player in the team to see another part of the team lack. Even if it just means being in church. If it just means just what Matt said today. You know what? He had to move. He's got a wife in the hospital. And it meant someone could turn around and cook a meal and help someone sit down and says, you know what? If it was Matt and I having to move him, I would have been angry at the end of the day because he's got a lot of stuff. <laughs> and I would have said, you don't need this. <laughs> we, were, we were helping to move and He was on the third floor. And it's like, Chris said, I felt like I was doing a Stairmaster all yesterday. <laughs> and some of the things Matt didn't want, so he said, well, you know, instead of taking down the dumpster, we just opened up the window and out it went. <laughs> so some of Matt moving was just stuff flying out the third story window. <laughs> and trust me, part of me was saying, Matt, I think there's a few more things here that you think that need to fly out the window. <laughs> If it was just him and I, but you know what? When there's six, seven, I don't know how many guys were there. There's a whole bunch of trucks. It just made it a breeze. I think in a half hour we had most of it licked, you know, and then we were goofing around the rest of the time and then we could unload it and it was just a breeze because all of us are working together as a team. All of us are saying, hey, I'm willing to take some of my Saturday, a gorgeous Saturday, help someone move. And it makes a difference in someone's life. And if I were to turn around and to say, well, Lord, you know, I've got more important things to do than that, then a brother would suffer. And it happens at the same scale, the same way that we need to sit down and say, there's something I can do. There's a way that I can get involved. There's things that I can do to be part of a team, to make the whole team float. That's all. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's stand and close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I would just pray that your spirit would work deep into our hearts. I pray, Father, that you would give us, Father, a set of knowledge Download some files, Father, into our hearts and into our minds, Father, for what you have for us. Father, I pray as well that you would give us wisdom on how to operate in that things that you have given us. I pray, Father, that you would teach us to be your children. I pray, Father, that we would think of the good of the body and that we, Father, would reach out to love and to care. Father, forgive us for the divisions, for the arguing and for the things that we hold ourselves to be better than so many others. Father, I pray that you would come into our lives. Have that sunlight, Father, shining down upon us and have us to reflect in a glorious fashion the picture, Father, that you are creating. Father, I love you and I thank you for this church. I thank you for the richness of those that have poured themselves out continuously for years, Father. I pray that you would continue to build and nurture this body so that we would be healthy and strong. Father, we thank you for your wonderful things that you've given us, Father. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.